Ciao, Ni Hao, Yasu, Bonjour, Guten Tag. My name is Lydia, and I'm your host of the Global Travel Junkie podcast, where we'll discover new luxury destinations and experiences together. So let's get started and meet today's guest. Hello, everyone. It's Lydia with the Global Travel Junkie podcast and YouTube channel. And today I'm excited to introduce you to our next guest. We have Jackie Singer. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Nice to be here. How are you today? Great. How are you? Awesome. So I found Jackie through social media. So I don't know her and I'm going to allow us all to get to know her better on the show. But what she has to bring to the conversation is some very exciting, smart money tips when it comes to traveling luxurious. And as she said earlier to me, she likes to help people travel more luxurious than they ever imagined. So we're going to talk about that today on the show. So Jackie, would you take a moment and give us a little bit of background about where you came from and, you know, your maybe some older travel experiences that kind of led you up to your love for traveling today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I grew up traveling. I was really grateful that my parents really put an emphasis on travel. They had a phrase, um, tickets, not trinkets. Um, so instead of uh, gifts, they often would take us on trips instead. Um, so that really instilled a really deep-seated love of travel from a really young age. Um, I was fortunate enough to go abroad for the first time when I was eight. Um, and it, that's really just continued to ramp up from there. Um, and now as an adult, I'm able to, you know, use my own money, go where I want, when I want. Um, I do work full time. Um, so it's a balance. And that's why um, my blog is called Maximizing My PTO. It's about getting out and traveling as much as I possibly can, uh, while still being a good employee and showing up for the nine to five. Um, and so I've really been able to enjoy a lot of amazing places, Iceland, Japan, um, Europe, Costa Rica, just to name a few, and have really loved every second of all of those trips and everything that I've done um, domestically as well. Um, and now I've really been able to turn that around and share and help other people um, travel as much as physically possible. Travel, if time is your biggest constraint, um, I can, you know, help give skills to crack open what might seem like a really uh, constricting PTO, um, as well as, you know, ways to travel, hack and save money, uh, travel better than you've ever thought, life flat, business class seats, um, luxurious destinations, those kinds of things. Um, so I love helping people. I love sharing um, everything I've learned um, because it really is just a passion of mine. Yeah. Well, for anyone who doesn't know what PTO stands for, that stands for paid time off, which is a typical term when you work for a corporation or a company, right? So yeah. for those who are curious what maximizing my PTO stands for, that's what she's focused on. So if you want to share with us a little bit about what you started to do to share with others on your website and on your blog, then uh, share with us a little bit about that. What got you started? 
Yeah. So for a long time, I was, you know, traveling a lot already and sharing with my friends and family what I was doing. And they were like really interested, wanted to know more, wanted to know, Hey, if I go on this trip, like, where should I stay? What should I eat? Like all the details that you'd want. And they were like, you should start a blog. You should start a blog. I probably had people say that to me like 50 times. And eventually I got to the point where I was like, I should start a blog. And I, I did. Um, and really um, finally took that uh, dive and it's been a really fun journey. Um, I getting to go into the nitty gritty of everything about a place, um, reviewing the good, the bad, the ugly, um, and uh, which is mostly good for the record. Um, but <laughs> every detail that you'd want to know if you were planning a trip from scratch to that destination, um, that hotel, wherever it is, um, and knowing if, if that's a good fit for you. Um, and it's also expanded into um, the world of travel hacking, which is when you are able to use things like credit card points, airline miles, and things like that to um, fly for free or really reduce prices. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that today. So I just want to mention that when people are spending a lot of money in their lives, there's a way to maximize that and benefit from that. You could be spending a little money, but when you're spending a lot of money, you get to utilize a lot more resources and a lot more benefits and a lot more, I guess, hacks, like we were saying. That word is, I think, for some people, a trigger word, the word hacks, just because we hear that around security so much, right? But the hacks ha happen to be how to maximize what the organizations, the companies, the businesses, the airlines are offering in order for people to utilize their credit cards. And, um, you know, hopefully we're promoting that you're paying off your credit cards every month, which is how you maximize these opportunities. If you get into paying fees and interest, then they're no longer considered hacks. So we want to make that clear that hopefully you're in a situation in order to pay off the credit cards each month that you're using these, because when she's going to talk about how you can save money and maximize getting a ticket for a better price there, the assumption is you're not paying interest, right? Absolutely. That is, you know, rule number one, if you can't do not pass go do not collect $200. If you cannot pay off your cards every month, um, because otherwise, it's you're you're losing more money than you're saving in points. Um, 100%. So that financial responsibility is absolutely key. But assuming that you have that, and you've established that good relationship with credit cards and money in general, um, then you can really crack open um, the world of travel hacking and credit cards and really getting so much more value out of them than you ever thought possible. Um, I really got deep into this about a year ago and I've actually amassed um, about a million points, a million transferable points, I should say, across um, Amex, Capital One and Chase, uh, allowing me to transfer them to tons of different airlines and hotel programs um, as I, as I want to. And I've booked, um, you know, over seven different business class trips already. Um, so, and, and the numbers just keeps going up. A million. Let's just let that sink in. A million points. Can we give you a little shout out and a little pat on the back? That's amazing. And we we know it's probably not because you spent a million points, which is <laughs> no. what the whole whole point is. Is that you? She's going to talk about how to achieve 
extra points just for opening a particular card. So I want to give a little name shout out to each of the name of those cards, because who knows, maybe one will become a sponsor of my podcast after you tell the names. So you were telling me about the chase card. What was the name of that one? Can you list the names of those cards so people can know what you utilize? Because I have a chase card, but mine's a mileage card. Yeah, the ones that I personally have in my wallet are the Chase Sapphire Reserve Card, um, the Amex Platinum, the Amex Gold, and the Capital One Venture X, as well as a couple co-branded cards, but those are not the main, those are the side players. Those The ones I just mentioned are, are the main ones. Awesome. Well, that's great. I'm sure they appreciate your shout out because this will be an evergreen video that'll be out there for a long time to come. So great. So start us off. You said a year ago, 12 months ago, and you have amassed from April to April, I'm assuming a million points. Like where did it start from a year ago? Yeah. So a year ago is when I opened um, the Chase Sapphire Reserve card. Um, I want to say the sign-up bonus was about 60,000 points, um, which isn't it was probably the lowest sign-up bonus of all the ones I had in over the course of the year. Um, but even that like is enough for some round, like a, you can fly a business class for less than 60,000 points. Um, so it's worth a lot. Um, and then from there, I got really strategic with um, where, which cards I used for which uh, purchases because different cards earn at different rates. For example, the um, Amex Gold is great for groceries and restaurants because it's four times points, uh, four points per dollar spent in those categories. Um, the Amex Platinum, I get five points per dollar spent on flights when I do pay in cash. Um, Chase is great for three times points on all travel related things. So I use it for all travel related things that aren't flights. Um, and then the Capital One Venture X is a base, um, at least two points per dollar on everything else. Um, so that's where all my miscellaneous spend goes about order something on Amazon. I use that card, um, and those kinds of things. Um, so what do you buy really, your really gas sh- with? What do you pay for your gas with which card? So I don't actually have a gas Card, a card that earns extra points on gas. So I use the Capital One Venture X, but that's because I rarely have to fill my tank. I live in the city. Oh, I that's barely why you high. don't drive that um, much. We probably fill our tank once a month at most. It's just not a big enough expense to worry about it as a category. Okay. Um, so that's why everyone should look at their own spending and see what categories are you spending your the most of your money on. And then strategically look for cards from there because there really is no one best card. Um, a, that's why I have a lot of cards, but that's why I can't even recommend necessarily that everyone should have the exact same cards as I have. You have to look at your own spending habits and see if you're paying a lot on flights. Yeah. The Amex Platinum is probably a great deal. If you spend a lot on gas, get a card that has gas rewards. I love um, that. And things like that. In fact, there's a credit card out there um, with a company called Built, um, which is a newer company that is allows you to get points on your rent. If you rent, um, which is a great um, for anyone who, you know, doesn't own a home and is renting month to month you're getting points on, you know, thousands of dollars in spending that you have to pay no matter what, um, which is typically not something you can use a credit card for in many cases. So you're kind of circumventing that typical um, having to use a debit card in those cases. That's amazing. Speaking of rent, tell me what you were sharing. Tell them what you were sharing with me before about when you own a house. 
Right. So like I said, built is for renters. Um, however, there is a program that I learned about, unfortunately, after I bought my house or I would have utilized <laughs> it. Um, so I don't have firsthand experience, but it's called Real Buyer Network. And if you buy your house through them, um, you can earn one Amex point per dollar spent on the house. So that's hundreds of thousands of points, like whatever the value you spend on the house is, whatever that purchase price is, that's how many Amex points you can get. That could be real big savings. Like that alone could be a trip to, uh, you know, any of the most luxurious places in the world uh, because of how much that value those points hold. Um, and points are a currency in and of themselves. And so you want to like get the most out of it um, just as you want to get the most out of your, uh, you know, US dollars or whatever currency you're working Yeah. With. And the more expensive your house, the more, fa the faster you're going to rack up those points, right? That's all relative Absolutely. to how expensive your house is, right? Absolutely. That's awesome. So, so let's go back. So you were doing your, you started in April and then you started to do your points. What were some of the, I love the tip that we just kind of hooked into about look at First, look at like all the cards. Oh, is there like a website? Where do you go to find what cards offer what? You know, is there a place? Um, so there's a few great resources. I would say um, if you're just starting out in this world, the points guy is a fantastic resource. Uh, that's like one of my favorite um, websites to follow. I've signed up for their newsletters and things like that. That was a really good into understanding it. And they do have card comparison tools on their website. Um, however, you can also go directly to the bank's websites and compare for yourself uh, because that's, you know, obviously the banks want you to sign up. Yeah, they're cards, So it's it. right there on. Yeah. Um, and then as well, when you're looking to sign up a really big strategy, um, especially if you have, a, you know, a friend that you're willing to rope into your travel hacking or a significant other, like I have my fiance who um, he lets me kind of use him and his ability to sign up for credit cards. Um, you can refer people to credit cards um, and get a sign up bonus when they um, you know, hit their sign up bonus, you can get some points as well. Um, so I've gotten uh, like referring my parents to credit cards, referring friends, things like that. Um, I've been able to uh, amass even more points that way. And along with getting them roped in and hooked on um, the thrill of travel hacking and the thrill of booking luxurious, um, you know, flights and stuff all for free or just paying taxes and fees. Yeah. When you're going um, on your trip with your family members this, you said Christmas, um, are they using any of the points to fly, you know, in the seats near y'all? Are y'all going to stay in business and they're going to be in the back of the so I, uh, I actually, this was kind of around the time we were booking that trip was when I was trying to teach them about it. Um, cause obviously a lot of people grow up really skeptical of credit cards and I'm just not really sure everything they can do. I know, uh, you know, Dave Ramsey told everyone credit cards are evil. Um, and they're not, if you're responsible. Um, and so you I pay actually, them off, right? and you pay them off. Right. Um, so I, my parents used, uh, signing up for the credit card or they signed up for the credit card, then bought the flights on that credit card to hit the sign up bonus. Um, which is really great if you have upcoming expenses that exceed maybe what you would normally spend. Um, a lot of sign up bonuses are spent 4,000, 6,000, however many thousands of dollars in like three, six months. They, they yeah, all vary. Get the bonus, right? Right. So if you know you have large upcoming spending, that's a great time to open more cards um, strategically so you don't tank your credit score. Um, but for example, uh, I'm getting married later this year. Uh, weddings are extremely expensive um, and I'm able to put 
most of those purchases on credit cards um, to amass even more points, uh, signing up for new ones and just uh, accruing points on my existing cards um, to be able to um, fly later this year in for free business class, book hotels for free, all that kind of stuff. I love it. I love your enthusiasm and I love your passion for this. This is so fun. You can tell that you're just like lit up talking about this, you know, nothing you makes me happier than when my friends like reach out and ask me like a very specific like question. And I'm like, I got this, like, let me give you an entire like essay on how to solve your problem. Here's my that. PowerPoint slide. <laughs> I'm an open book. I, you know, everything I know, I want to share with everyone um, because, you know, knowledge is power and that's how you can be um, the best traveler in general, whether that's like travel tips on what type of bags to bring or literally like how to how to book the flights and things like that. Um, a lot of places where travelers get um, tripped up is that when you have these transferable points, um, the credit cards obviously encourage you to book through their portals. Um, and those are usually a very low redemption rate. Um, so a thousand dollar flight booked through their portal will probably cost you a hundred thousand points. Um, but you could get that same thousand dollar flight for maybe 30,000 points if you transfer them out to an uh, airline partner. Um, So that's where a lot of the value is. And that's where a lot of people just starting out get tripped up is they don't understand the power of transferring those points out. Um, And so that's where I love helping people with those kinds of things uh, because they can get, you know, three flights for the price of one that they would have gotten in the portal. So I have a Chase mileage card. This is a question for you. I think I have it automatically sending to my United account and updating, but do you recommend don't do that because by keeping them in chase until I can decide where the flight I need to get on is going, you know, wherever I'm going, whatever the best carrier is, then I can transfer them to the, the, um, airlines directly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So the biggest thing is once you transfer points, you can never transfer them back um, into the bank. Um, so if I transfer um, 10,000 points to United, I have no ability to transfer them to another airline. I have no ability to transfer them um, back to Chase. Um, they're stuck there. So you really want to be careful um, when I only transfer when I know, like I have found the flight, I'm ready to book, I'm pulling the trigger. I, all I need is to transfer the points. Um, because otherwise you might end up in a situation where your points are essentially stranded with a program that you may not um, be able to use them for effectively. Why? Uh, another, because they uh, want you to keep them in themselves. So that's how they make the well, rules. Yeah, you gotta I mean, if, and if United's not flying to my destination, you know, maybe they but only that's fly the other, to Milan. But that's the yeah. other way to use um, travel hacking strategically is uh, airline alliances. Um, so there's three main airline alliances, um, Star Alliance, One World, and I am completely blanking on the last one for no real reason. Um, forgive me, but- It'll come example, to you. I'm sure it will. Uh, United and is partnered with a plethora of other airlines, uh, including uh, Air Canada's Aeroplan, um, which is actually a re- uh, known as like a redemption sweet spot. So instead of booking a United flight, Uh, I try to see if it's available to book that same exact flight on United planes. You can book them on Air Canada's website uh, and other um, alliance partners. Yeah, exactly. So a flight that might be um, 
100,000 points on United might be 70,000 points on Air Canada's Aeroplan. And I, then I would rather transfer my points from Chase to Aeroplan um, and, you know, save 30,000 points in that case. Um, so being strategic and really shopping it around, shopping whatever flight you're looking for around um, is really helpful. And the more flexibility you have in terms of dates, um, you know, cities, even if you're willing to take a positioning flight, um, where if you're trying to get from, say, Chicago to Paris, maybe you go Chicago, New York to Paris um, and do it that way to uh, allow you to, you know, get those really great redemptions. Um, so it's about being creative um, and, and patient as well. Yeah. Do you do the things that they talk about? Like, do you book your flights on Tuesdays or do you... Um uh, close blind your VPN or whatever they talk about, you know, where you get off of your local um, internet eyes. No, you know, so so they I don't know where you're. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You can change your VPN location to other countries and things like that. I've never done it. Um, I know for the Tuesday thing, that is a myth. Um, so, but price, prices do fluctuate. However, when you're looking at, to book with points specifically, um, their award availability typically is never going to go up. There's some exceptions, but you're never going to have more availability than when flights are first released about 12 months out, 11 months out, depending on the airline. Um, so I try to um, book as far out as I possibly can. If I know I want to go somewhere next year, I'm already kind of um, looking at it so that I can nab those uh, tickets while they're still available. Um, because most airlines, for example, if there's 20 seats available in business class, maybe only four are available to book with points and the rest they want people to pay cash for. So if you're trying to book with points, you have to um, either book really early or be really willing to and open to last minute travel and go where the deals are. Um, I personally prefer to pick the destination first and work that way. Um, so then I just book really early. Um, but if you're just open to going somewhere, you can, you know, uh, I know, for example, Japan, um, their ANA airline um, will release some availability at like three weeks out. So if you're willing to, to book something last minute, um, you might be able to find a great deal that way. Yeah. So um, tell us, if you're willing to, tell us some of the experiences in the airlines that you flew business class. And are there any that really jumped out at you? Like I've, I've seen online, like Qatar Airlines is like an amazing luxury experience. So have you traveled in a really like amazing situation where you're like, wow, the details here are amazing? Yeah, so... I definitely have a whole like flight specific set of bucket list items, like certain planes I want to fly on certain experiences. Uh, you know, there's the, the airline, Singapore suites is like an apartment. Um, there's a air, airline that has a shower in the sky where you can shower like <laughs> on a plane. Like how crazy is that? Um, how so wonderful I is that? I know, um, but I have a long list of things that are on my my goals. But as far as what I've already done, um, I've flown both Air France and ANA's business class. And it did teach me that not all business classes are built the same. Um, first of all, even on an airline, they can have different business classes depending on the which plane they're flying. So ANA has their new 
super swanky business class called The Room, which is basically this massive seat. Um, I've seen nothing but amazing things online about it. Uh, unfortunately, the one I flew was their older model. Still an amazing experience. This is also my first business class experience. It was 12 hours to Asia, um, lie flat seats. Um, the service was incredible and so was the food. And those are things that can really set um, airlines apart. Um, and then I also flew Air France business class and the service was just not quite as as nice, it was still nice. You're still, you know, there's the base level. There's I'm part. not going to complain about lie flat seats. Um, but it was also Air France's older business class model um, as well. And I thought I had, I, they had done a plane swap. Um, so even if you book a flight that you think is on a airline's newer business class, they could, or something. they could switch the planes at any time, including day of. Um, and you could, you know, end up on an older model and they don't have any, there's no, a recourse for that. Yeah. They're still providing the service that you paid for, which is business class ticket, even if it's on the older model. So unfortunately um, it's not like you can get points back or anything like that when that happens. Uh, but definitely on, on the bucket list to go and experience the, the newer versions of these planes um, because these airlines are always evolving in what they're trying to offer and the products that they're trying to entice people to fly on. Um, and that's, you know, in addition to the destination, like the joy is in the journey. If you're, especially if you're flying business class, um, you can really have an amazing experience, uh, just while you're in the air. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been great flying business class. I have several more trips booked, um, later this year on, um, Iberia, EVA Air um, in their business class um, seats. So I'm excited to continue to compare um, different airlines. But another sweet spot that I found is um, that I got the opportunity to fly back from Japan on Air Canada's um, premium economy, um, which is kind of this like in between that has recently come out in the past few years that a lot of airlines have put out. Um, that's kind of this in between the luxurious business class of lie flat seats and the super cramped economy seats. Um, and I will say premium economy was nice. Like it doesn't lie flat. So you're not going to get as comfortable as you would in a lie flat seat. Some and premium economy will vary a lot airline to airline. So some airlines um, you get the business class and food and, and drinks for free and other airlines, you get the economy food. Um, Air Canada's I had a really great experience on. There's like a footrest in the seat. Um, so you're still quite comfortable. Um, there's still an amenity kit on Air France premium economy. You know, those little luxuries that, uh, make that experience way better than flying economy. Uh, so that's something I had recently um, tried out that I'd be willing to do more um, in cases where business classes isn't in the cards for whatever reason. Yeah, and it was nice. Okay, so I want us to share one experience that was so unique that you were sharing with me earlier in the in the wrapping up towards the end of our conversation. And that was, I believe you said you were going to Japan and you stayed in the JFK um, terminal. You want to talk yeah, about so that and share that experience and about the kind of the price point of the rooms and everything? Yeah. So it was actually on my flight last month where I was going to Paris, um, but we found business class flights from JFK to Paris. Um, there weren't any available that worked with our timing and things like that out of Chicago. So we took a positioning flight from Chicago to JFK um, and spent the night at JFK. And then the next evening was when our flight was. So we had about 24 hours um, in New York. And I had always wanted to stay at this hotel since it opened, I believe in 2019. Um, and 
what it is is the TWA Hotel at JFK Airport. It is the only airport hotel at JFK, and it is made out of the old TWA, which is an airline that no longer exists. Um, their old terminal that they have transformed into a 1960s aviation-themed hotel. Uh, and it really is like stepping back in time. The check-in counter where you check in for the hotel is where the, you used to like weigh your bags and things like that. It looks like an airline um, check-in area. Mm -hmm. um, and everything down to, you know, the sunken lounge seating, very 1960s, um, the music playing, um, it's just continuous 1950s and 60s music really gets the vibe going. Um, the rooms, uh, mid-century modern furniture, there are modern amenities, um, like, you know, flat screen TVs and things like that, that you've come to expect in a hotel. So you're hardly roughing it. Um, but the light switches look like light switches that they would have had in the 1960s. Um, so it really is like stepping back in time, um, but not just to the 1960s, but specifically to the golden age of aviation. Um, because some of the rooms look out onto the JFK Terminal 5 runways. Uh, so all day and night, you can watch the planes take off from your room, um, which is just the most incredible experience. If you're into aviation, um, if you're into history, this hotel is for either types of these enthusiasts and I'm both. So it was just like a dream come true to stay here. Um, and it's a very unique experience. There's an old uh, Connie airplane that they've turned into a bar um, that sits right outside of the hotel. So from the sunken lounge, you can see out onto that airplane and then go into it, um, take the stairs up like you would getting onto a plane. Uh, and then you're transported into this bar that they've built out of an old, old plane. Um, it's really incredible what they've done. Um, the, the detail, the attention to detail is fantastic. The hotel is also part museum. So they have, for example, a whole, uh, section dedicated to all of the TWA crew uniforms throughout the years. Um, so from the very first ones to when the TWA finally uh, stopped operating, um, it was really cool to see the fashion evolution of the time, um, as well as just, um, 1960s uh, and things like that tab soda which no longer exists um actually i didn't know that tab was still being sold until 2020 so it's only very recently that you could no longer get this soda there's a whole um section dedicated to it at the hotel um it's a it really was like cool the first diet soda back then yeah the, pre the predecessor to Diet Coke, which I love so much. Um, so, you know, I love what Tav has done for the soda industry. <laughs> um, but this hotel is really so unique. Um, and with that, it became like a destination in and of itself. So obviously like this was a trip I had booked to Paris, but my stopover became one of the highlights of the trip. Um, so in addition to all of the things that this hotel has, it also has the world's largest hotel gym. Um, so I'm a former fitness instructor. I love all things fitness. Um, I, it was the coolest gym I've ever been in. It had more equipment than I could have ever imagined. It's a 10,000 square foot gym. It is not 1960s themed. I will preface that. There's a whole room with like over a couple dozen Pelotons. There's a yoga room. They have classes sometimes. Um, and you can, uh, like there's showers in the, in the gym as well, as you'd expect of any gym. Um, so if you're, you know, have a pool? Alone, that could be a whole de destination for that. And in great, even pool? if you have a, they do have a pool, the pool is located on the roof of one of the towers where the rooms are. Um, and it overlooks the runways as well. It's heated to 95 degrees year round. Um, 
we went in the beginning of March. It was very cold outside. We did put our fingers in the water, but if it, and the, if the wind hadn't been whipping at like 40 miles an hour, we probably would have gone in because it was warm. Um, but it was just so cold outside. We had to take a rain check on that for another time. Um, but this hotel is definitely a luxury experience. Um, if you're just looking for to crash at JFK, you're near JFK on a layover for as cheap as possible and get some sleep. It's not really the hotel for you. Um, it's definitely for somebody looking to experience it, especially those runway view rooms are, in my opinion, the only way to go, um, though they do have ones that face the terminal instead. Um, the terminal ones, uh, I believe... It, the Obviously, hotel pricing varies a lot by season. Um, it will run you minimum in the 250s, 300 range at the low season and only go up from there. The um, runway view rooms start in the 400s, 450s and go up depending on obviously the size of the room and uh, season. So definitely something to keep in mind. It's not cheap, but the other great part of it is that it is perfect for a layover at JFK for like one night. So even though it's really expensive, you can do everything you want in one uh, one night stay, uh, which does make it, you know, a little more feasible for most people. Yeah. And for someone who may not want to like go into the city and see New York, but has to feel like they had a nice experience while they had a layover. It's a great way. It reminds me of like a theme park or something. Just Absolutely. And you can visit your boat. Like anyone can come in and visit, even if they're not um, staying at the hotel, you can also um, buy a day use room. Say if you have came in on a red eye flight and really want to crash, um, you can book a room just for a few hours during the day and sleep there as well. Um, so there's a lot of different options, or you can just walk in and visit for free, um, go to the bar, go, um, you can buy a day pass to the gym, uh, day pass to the pool, things like that. Who's using, how big is the hotel? Like, do you know how many rooms it has? Like approximately, like, um, is it like I, 200 or 300? I would say it's in a couple hundred range. Um, yeah, two, maybe 300. 10,000 square foot gym. I'm thinking who is using that? That's a lot of space. I honestly was thinking the same thing when I was there. Um, I'm personally, I thought it would be great if you like were a JFK employee or worked in at an airline where you were based at JFK. Yeah. That could just or like be all the gym. pilots or something. Right. You all know? the pilots, anyone who works for the airlines, like if, um, you know, I assume that they may stay there on their stopovers uh, paid for by the airlines, like that would be great for them. Um, they did have personal trainers there as well. So I think some people are using them on a regular basis, maybe yeah. locals really close to JFK or, or employees of the airport. That's awesome. What a neat experience. I do want to mention, because you're, you were born uh, after rotary phones, right? You did. Yes. Okay. So tell them about your rotary experience. (laughs) Yeah. So I've obviously seen rotary phones, of course, um, but I never actually used one that worked. Like I've seen them in like literally museums (laughs) before. Um, However, in keeping with the 1960s theme, every room in the hotel has a rotary phone instead of like your normal hotel phone and it works. So I, you know, was able to dial a phone number and it rang and I, somebody picked up the phone, like, just like as if I had used my cell phone, uh, which was just a really fun experience. There are also the ones in the room are free. And then the ones downstairs in the lobby, um, they have ones, I believe they're five cents, just like they would have been back. It's like a row of them, just like a phone booth would have been, but they're all like oh my phone booths. Um, five cents, just like they would have been back in the 1960s. 
Oh my gosh. Wait, for people, this is audio and video, but for people who were born after 2000 who may not even know what a rotary phone is, describe it for our audience who might be a younger audience. Like, yeah. So, first of all, it's a corded phone. Um, but beyond that, you have to, the, you have to rotate. That's where the rotor, rotary With word comes finger. from. You have to put your finger in the little hole for the number, rotate it all the way to the end, let go, wait for it to go all the way back, and then go to the next number. So it is a long dialing process, especially if somebody has some high numbers um, in their phone number. It could take a long time. <laughs> I'm laughing because I grew up with rotary phones. So to hear like someone else's perspective of like how much time it takes to make a phone call. It's like, we are in such a fast paced world. I mean, nowadays with our cell phones, we just touch, 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 touch. And, and, and then if you have them on speed tile, you hit one touch dialing and you're boom, <clears throat> connected instantly to Europe or Asia. Yeah. As so much anyway. as I love the history portion of the hotel, it did also make me very grateful for the modern things we have like cell phones and things like that. Um, there was also a, and part of the museum part, it talked about the prices of things, uh, everyday items and, uh, you know, travel and things like that back in the 1960s versus today. Um, and while of course, most things are grossly more expensive today. Um, the one thing that was really interesting is that, uh, flight prices were not a crazy difference, um, from the sixties to now. And I mean, obviously a lot of that is that demand is higher. There's way more flights than there ever were back then. Uh, it was really a luxury experience back in the day. People didn't just hop on a plane willy-nilly. And now, it's, you know, I could hop on a plane if I want to go have lunch in Dallas or something and then come back to Chicago later the same day. Um, it's much more accessible now, but it's interesting that the actual dollar prices, not that different. Yeah. I watched a show on Channel 8, which is like the PBS station here one time, and it talked about the um, beginning of airplanes. And it wasn't until I think it was I think they call it the jet propulsion engine that where people could go transatlantic and go across the ocean, you know, and on like for commercial travel. And then they talked about how Pan Am, you know, because they were going across the water. Um, was one of the first, but TWA was right there with Pan Am, right? They were, yeah, they were competitors. Yeah. And so they were showing how, and I'm sure you saw some of this in your museum experience, but they were showing how the traveling eating experience was like a five-star restaurant back then. They even served in first class you on like silver, silver service, yeah, yeah it's definitely crazy. Think how how well, I mean, and, and to be fair, oh yeah, absolutely. Weighing the plane down just with the silver. Um, but it isn't really interesting. Like even flying business class now, you know, if you're, you know, used to flying economy, you're used to plastic uh, silverware, plastic plates and things like that. In business class, you do usually get ceramic um, plates, mugs, uh, metal utensils, dishes, like, like you get legit. actual dishes. And uh, in some airlines, the food is, does come from top renowned chefs around the world uh, that help curate and create the food. Um, so it, when you do fly luxury, um, it's maybe not quite, you know, it's not on literal silver, like it would have been back in the sixties, but it is still a very luxurious experience. You can still have caviar on a lot of these flights, um, you know, a thousand dollar bottles of champagne and things like that. In an actual glass. In an actual <laughs> glass, yes. <laughs> the little things we appreciate, right? 
Absolutely. Awesome. Oh, great. Well, it's been really fun uh, chatting with you. And as soon as you go to some of your, do you want to tell people where you're heading, like what you're looking forward to this year? And maybe we'll have you back, especially for the Antarctica trip, right? Yeah. So the end of this year, beginning of next year is the most epic two and a half months of travel, I think I will maybe ever have in my entire life, um, especially in that short of a time period. But um, I'm going to all seven continents in the span of two and a half months across three different trips, um, including in the countries being uh, Singapore, Australia, New Zealand, Egypt, um, Spain, uh, Argentina, and then Antarctica. Wow, that's going to be exciting. I would love for you to come tell us about Antarctica. A lot of people don't go there because it's so expensive. Are you yeah, comfortable it's only sharing that- about what it costs, about approximately what it costs just to go there? I mean, it's definitely a lifetime bucket list trip, right? Absolutely. And it's also like pretty recent, I would say that that companies have been uh, operating commercial, you know, tourist um, cruises and things like that, um, maybe only the past decade or so it's pretty new. Um, and it's still uh, kind of like uncharted territories in a lot of uh, the travel world. Um, but it'll start you at at least $10,000 a person probably. Um, so, it, you know, definitely um, not a inexpensive trip. And that doesn't include flights, I should add. Um, so it's definitely not cheap. Um, but it absolutely one of the big bucket list items. I've always wanted to go to all seven continents. I never really thought I'd do them all in such a short period of time. Um, that kind of just fell into my lap, but I'm really excited. I think this next year, you're going to earn your global travel junkie badge. I need to get you a t-shirt. I love it. I love it. <laughs> to have you going around the countries. Anyway, it's been so fun getting to know you and to hear all your fun, exciting adventures. If people want to connect with you or find you online, what are all the different ways people can go and learn more from you as you travel the world and share your wisdom? Yeah, so I have a blog, uh, MaximizingMyPTO.com. That's where I share all the details of all my trips as well as uh, travel hacking tips and tricks. Um, And that's really more long form content. I also am big on Instagram. Um, So you can find me at at MaximizingMyPTO. I make it really easy for you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to say before we say goodbye? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that everyone can travel so much more often than you probably think you can and for cheaper than you think you can or and more luxuriously as well. So um, just really don't like cage yourself in a box of thinking I can only take one trip a year or anything like that because um, there are strategies to making um, your your dollars stretch further, your time stretch further. Um, and if you ever have any questions, I'm just a DM away. That's awesome. And one of the things that I like to share for in case someone's listening to the first episode of the Global Travel Junkie um, podcast is that I believe that when we get out and when we experience other countries and cultures and avenues of learning, then we just learn how to be more accepting and compassionate as a citizen of the planet, we are all sharing the same planet and we all need to be respectful of each other, no matter where we come from. And I think traveling opens us up to that and understanding that. And that's why I want to encourage people to get out there and explore this amazing planet that we live on. We're so lucky, aren't we? 
Absolutely. I couldn't agree with more with that sentiment. Yes. Thank you. Well, when you make it to Bhutan, you'll have to come back and tell us about it. <laughs> I'm excited. I don't know when yet, but it's on, it's on the horizon. It's, for sure. it's the bucket list option, right? Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you'd like to be a guest on the Global Travel Junkie podcast and YouTube channel, reach out to us at our Contact Us form at globaltraveljunkie.com. We hope to see you out traveling. Adios. Ciao. Au revoir.